Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. All guests join us via the Rangich Brothers RV phone line. We go to the phones and welcome in Carrie to the show for a Wing It Wednesday. Carrie, how are you? Great, how are you? Doing excellent, Carrie. Thank you very much. Now, are you a big baseball guy, Carrie? I mean, we got the, uh, some MLB stuff here for you. I am not. No, I like to play softball, but I don't know a lot about baseball. Okay, great. You don't know baseball. Coulter hates baseball. This should go great. Here we go. <laughs> Boy, some chicken wings really hit the spot. <laughs> Tell me likey. Tell me want wingy. Okay, here we go, Kerry. Question number one. There are nine teams left. Okay, nine teams left in the MLB playoffs <laughs> after Milwaukee was eliminated last night. What team is the Vegas betting favorite, though, to win the World Series this year? Also known potentially as sort of the best team in baseball on the season. Uh, who's That's the a favorite? tough question. Yeah, I mean... It, there's three you know, I hate I hate to start off on the wrong foot, but I don't want to use my lifeline right away. It's uh, a real conundrum, my friend. Uh, right, right. I'm gonna go with Houston. Gary, it's the Houston Astros. Very well yeah, done. The Houston Astros are uh, plus 210 to win the World Series, followed by the Los Angeles Dodgers at 275. I would love to know. Right. Actually, I'm going to let you ask your next questions first, and then I'll ask this because okay. I don't want to. This might blow one of your questions. Okay. Uh, very good, Kerry. Okay. Question number two: uh, The New York Yankees, the team I'm rooting for, outstanding, <sighs> outstanding power lineup with Aaron Judge, Gary San- Sanchez, Edwin Incar- Encarnacion. But did you know this? They are uh, actually just the second. The, the team with the second most home runs this year, team-wise. Second most home runs in Major League Baseball. <laughs> also known as the second most home runs in the history of Major League Baseball The as team well. who had the first most home runs in the history of Major League Baseball is what team who they happen to be playing in the... Well, I won't tell you. 
see you gave it away, but I don't know it. I'm going to ask the lifeline on this one. Dolter? The Minnesota Twins hit the most home runs in the history of Major League Baseball. More than the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees were in at about 305, and I'm not sure what the Twins got to, but 510 more than the Yankees. And they're about to play. Are you, are you, do you accept that answer as the Twins being the number one home run hitting team in baseball I this definitely, season? I definitely do. Uh, you are absolutely right, Kerry, for that. And you have gotten right. links for the Desperado Sports Tavern. Coulter, you are so close in so far. The Yankees, 306 home mm, runs. Close. So very, very close. The Twins, 307. One more home run for the mm. Twins. And did you know this? This is for everybody. This is for free. The four most home run hittingest teams in the history of Major League Baseball hit them in the year of our Lord 2019. It's a juiced baseball, boys and girls. I mean, here's the most amazing. There's two, two statistical outliers that just display this so fully. First of all, it's not as if the Yankees had multiple guys hitting 50 home runs or even 40 home runs. I think the most home runs on their team was 38. But they had 15 guys hit 12 or more home runs. <laughs> Fifteen. You it's only impossible. start nine in baseball. It's impossible. The other thing that shows you how much the game has changed, though, is it used to be if you had 35 home runs, you were money in the bank that you were driving in 110, 115, because you're probably going to hit another 35 doubles. You're right. gonna, I mean, the home run to RBI proportionality, like those guys back in the 20s, 30s, 40s, even all the way up through the 50s and 60s, if you were getting into the 40 home run range, you were probably driving in 140, even 150 runs. Now, the leading RBI guy on the Yankees, only 102 RBI. No 100 RBI guys on the whole roster, even though they hit 306 home runs. Shows you just how many singles, shots, and uh, you know solo home runs and two-run home runs that they hit. It's unbelievable. All right, last question for you, uh, Kerry. Uh, who do the mighty Yankees play in the first round of the ALDS? Minnesota. You are correct. I did. I see. I wrote the question, and then I started <laughs> to answer the question in the thing. You caught on to it, and you deserve yeah. it. Kerry, Excellently done by you. Three questions, all correct. You got yourself wings to the Desperado and a shirt to go with it. Give your information there to David in the back, and uh, we'll make sure to get you your stuff, all right? Thanks, boys. Very well done. How about that? ALDS matchup. 600 and what is it? 13 home runs between them? I mean, good gracious. Let's just see it happen. Yanks, Twinkies. Round one? I'm into this. It's just so interesting because... When the baseball used to be my favorite, and when the steroid scandal hit, it really broke my heart. And Barry Bonds, my all-time favorite athlete, and just reading all the Balco stuff and listening to all the podcasts and everything, it's just like, man, this guy's insane. <laughs> and not only that, but he's juicing himself out of his mind. But then you realize everybody's juicing out of their mind. So then I, but then when they got, they kind of cleaned up the sport. But then nobody was hitting home runs, and I, I lied to myself and said, well. I just don't really like baseball anymore because they don't hit bombs like they used to. Well, now they do again, but it's in such a different fashion. Like I just the the whole what that stat I just said the fact that they have they hit three hundred and six home runs and they only have one guy on their team that has a hundred RBI that's crazy. It is crazy because to me now we've regressed to the point where you just try to get a couple guys on base and then hit a home run. There's almost no such thing as a rally. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, it used to be you might be able to get six, seven, eight runs, but now the home run, and ironically, it kills the high-scoring innings. Because if you get two guys on and hit a three-run bomb, 
Now you're starting over, and that guy might get pulled, so you're probably going to face a specialist, and you're probably only going to get three runs in that inning. Well, and and it's and it's the numbers from you know the stats and the statisticians. What did Alex Bregman say? If I wanted to hit 300, I'd hit 300. Right. It doesn't matter. You swing for the fences. You get the thing out of here, and that ultimately is better for your team and your offense. The, the question I was going to ask, I was going to say, I wonder when the last time in Major League Baseball that there was four different teams that won 102 games in a season or more in the same year. Or 101 games, I guess, was what the Twins won. But then you have the Yankees at 103. You got the Dodgers at 106. You got the Astros at 107. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. I mean, 107 is a historic number. That's, that's why that's got to yeah. be one of the top 10 win totals in Major I mean, League Baseball 116 history. is the all-time. Is the all-time so you're, number. you're creeping up on that thing at that point. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, it is to tell Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quick break. On the other side, Dallas Neal, former Grizzly punter, former NFL punter, and hello, tight end. How did that happen? He'll tell you. He's the subject of our ESPN roundtable right after this. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you. ESPN Missoula Sports Center. Good afternoon. Ryan Tutel here. Here's some sports news for you. High school is about the halfway point of the regular season, and the contenders and pretenders are starting to become a little more clear in this week's Class AA Treasure State Media Poll. Billings West held steady at number one in the division with 16 of the 22 first place votes. Even though the Bears were on a bye this last week, they won their first four games convincingly in our 4-0. Butte is the only 5-0 team in AA beating Sentinel last weekend 39-36 on a last second field goal. The Bulldogs received the other thir- uh, six first place votes. Missoula Sentinel, Helena High, and Bozeman are each 4-1 and one and ran out the top five. While Helena Capital and Hellgate are both on the outside of the top five, though both have just one loss. In Class A, Billings Central is the is 4-0 and is the is number one after receiving 13 of 19 first place votes. Hamilton bounced back from its first loss of the season, a one-point defeat at Dillon that dropped the Bronx from the top spot of the poll for the first time this year. Hamilton beat Frenchtown and is now number two this week. Dillon is three. Frenchtown is five, is four, excuse me, and Miles City is number five. In Class B, Fairfield is the unanimous number one for the fourth straight week. The defending state champions are 4-0, a mark that includes a win over number five, Missoula Lloyd. Loyola. Manhattan, which gave Loyola its other loss, is number two in this week's poll, while Eureka and Red Lodge are third and fourth. Tonight, 
On the year radio, Oakland hosts Tampa Bay in the AL wildcard to determine the last spot in the playoffs. card game, but it's just a one-and-done deal. What a heartbreaker for the Brewers last night. My goodness. Horrendous loss to the Washington Nationals 4-3. to But it is fun. It is exciting in these one-game scenarios, isn't it? So the Oakland A's hosting Tampa Bay in the AL Wild Card tonight. We'll have that for you out here on ESPN Radio right after the show. But now it is time for our ESPN Roundtable. We are broadcasting, by the way, in the Kurtz Polaris Studios. Kurtz Polaris at 2904 West Broadway in Missoula, Highway 83 in Sealy. ESPN Roundtable, uh, this time featuring Dallas Neal. Dallas, a former uh, Grizzly punter who went on to play in the NFL. And the story of how we get there, he got there is a great one. I uh, hope you'll enjoy it. The ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Well, welcome in to the ESPN Roundtable, and happy to be joined this week by former University of Montana football player and former NFL football player and current gym owner, entrepreneur, and consultant around town, around Missoula, Dallas Neal. Dallas, how are you? So good to have you here. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. I'm glad to be here. Good to good to be enjoying this day. Well, it's great to be enjoying the day, and happy birthday first of all i mean congratulations another one marked down in the books that's pretty great oh yeah big plans for tonight you're gonna have some seafood you're gonna do it yeah okay i'm I'm actually gonna make some barbecue some wings and and maybe a few calzones on the barbecue do you do calzone on the queue oh yeah that's the way huh yeah i'm into that that sounds that sounds pretty great uh we have a unique setup this time around where Dallas is here in studio with me, and Coulter, who's been in Bozeman covering uh, the Cats and is on his way back to Missoula but is still uh, in route. Hello, Coulter. How are you doing on the phone line here? <laughs> Usually it's the guest that's on the phone line, not the co-host, but we make it work at 2 tell That's right. I'm happy it, Dallas is with us. Now, very, very good. Well, let's. we got a ton of stuff to talk about here uh, with you, but you, were, uh, you, you played at the University of Montana, graduated in 1999, and... I'm the story. Anybody who's gone on to spend time in the NFL, especially when you're coming from the FCS or the Division One AA level, has a pretty interesting story to tell. But years in particular is maybe pretty unique, even by those standards. Particularly, you're a, a great kicker, great punter for the University of Montana, but also went to the league in that capacity and as a tight end and a, and as an H-back. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, it doesn't really make sense. And right. it, didn't, it didn't even make sense to me at the time. But I sent out I – was, I was a good punter, but I sent out 32 highlight tapes to all the NFL teams, and I got no response. Didn't get invited to the Combine – it was kind of end of story right. as I knew it. Yeah. Had an agent, Ken Staninger, but it wasn't, things weren't happening. So I kind of took a little bit of a risk. So what, okay, so what did you do? <laughs> so, so me and a buddy were talking and I decided to get, I went down to Herberger's and convinced them to sell me a four foot mannequin leg, put it in a big package, looked up in the NFL, who was the worst punter in the NFL? And so I put this in a package, sent it to Frank Gans Jr., who is the St. Louis Rams special teams coach, and said, I give my right leg to play for the St. Louis Rams. And I had my highlight tape sitting right there. That is too good. So I didn't think anything of it, but 
he called me. He called me just out of the blue and just started laughing. Really? Like, he just, just thought it, it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and my first response was, well, did you watch my highlight tape? Because right. that's what was happening. Nobody was watching right. my highlight tape. And he said, no. <laughs> and he said, but I will, and I'll call you back. Okay. So I get a call back like two days later, and he said, you know, you got great hang time. I think you got a shot. He goes, but I don't want a rookie punter. I want a veteran. So I'll call USA Today and I'll have them write an article about you and about your mannequin leg gig. And it happened. Really? So I got I got some press and Green Bay, Atlanta, and Denver all picked up on it. And I, I went out and punted on a nice snowy day in Washington yeah. Grizzly Stadium for these three teams. Mm. And I could have, um, I didn't get drafted, but at the end of the draft, both Denver and Atlanta called me and I could have go to either one as, as one of the 110 that come in as a walk-on. Right. And so you ended up going to Atlanta. Yeah, I chose Atlanta. They It looked like there might be a little bit better opportunity there. And I really liked Dan Reeves. He was a great head coach at yeah. that time. And their punter was older, so mm -hmm. there was a chance that it might be the but end the of the But the elevation career. didn't draw you like, oh, I could bang this thing up there for days and mile high, right? And the Broncos <laughs> were kind of my team. Yeah. So I was like, I was like ah, right, but right. you're kind of like trying to get a job. So, yeah, I go down to Atlanta, and I'm expecting to play punter. But they had a guy get injured, and they needed somebody to run routes in training camp. And they kind of already had me on the cut list. So they're like, could you just run some routes? A month later, Dan Reeves pulls me aside, and he's like, I don't think I've seen you drop a ball in a month. I want to see you wear pads. I want to put some pads on you and see what happens. Wow. And that was my entrance into the NFL. I put pads on at 208 pounds and got oh, annihilated. <laughs> it was yeah. ridiculous. Uh, so... Once they put pads on me, my own coach didn't want to put me in anymore <laughs> because he was for concerned for my reasons. safety. <laughs> I was a great receiver, but I wasn't big enough as a tight end. That's or as amazing, an though. I mean, that's like that's unbelievable. I mean, that's that's I've never ever heard something like no, that. No, it was it was it was it was crazy. And and up until we played in Tokyo against the Dallas Cowboys when all the people in front of me got hurt. So the halfback got a concussion. The other guy pulled his hamstring. There was nobody left to go in. So Dan Reeves turns around and he goes, put the backup in. My coach, I'm standing next to him, says, we don't have a backup. <laughs> That's, this was a true story. He had that much confidence in my ability. Right. No <laughs> so... So it gets worse. Coach Reeves was like, well, then put Neil in. And he's, he said, with me next to him, you can't be serious. Coach Reeves grabs me by the face mask. I go into the game. First play, I was so excited and also so overwhelmed, I forgot what the play was. But I just ran a little flat route, and the quarterback picked up on it, threw me a ball, and I went 28 yards to the two-yard line and almost scored. And from then on... In practice, you could never hit anybody below the waist. Right. So your your strength, I was never strong enough to hit anybody, but I was quick enough. Mm. Well, once I got in the game, I could cut guys. I could hit them below the waist. I could hit them. And to my surprise, after a couple games, the coaches were like, you're really, you're really good at this. So from 110, I was the number 53 guy taken 
and put on the active roster. And I was required to gain 30 pounds in 30 weeks. <laughs> Some people, that sounds like a dream. I could do that. <laughs> 30 pounds, easy. Where yeah. is the buffet? Oh, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, but but then, so then you you made the team as a punter slash tight end. I, yep, I made the team Backup as punter. a tight end. Yeah. I made right. the team as an H-back, special teams player, and as a backup punter, mm. which was a complete role reversal right. from what I was expecting. That is that is bizarre. Coulter, have you ever heard of something like that? But Dallas, you played you played some tight end and H-back at Montana, though, right? This wasn't as if it was your first time ever playing at a high level at these positions. Well, it wasn't my first time playing at a high level, but if you look at the level of which an H-back or tight end plays at the right. University of Montana <laughs> compared to what they play at in the NFL, it was a right. it was a huge step up from where I was expecting to be. And I had also been losing weight to be a punter, so I wasn't right. big enough. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, 208 well, pounds at any position other than punter in the NFL is probably a problem unless you're a 4-2 wide receiver or something like that. Well, and they motivated me to gain weight. It was every Friday I'd weigh in and I needed to gain a pound, mm. a pound, a pound. Well, if I didn't make my weight, it was $250 per pound out of my paycheck. Oh, man. And then if you missed it that week, they could double it to 500 a pound. Oh, my goodness. So every Friday was kind of a nerve-wracking day for Am me. I, gonna I make... was, like, drinking the orange juice right at the end. And, <laughs> right. and I was actually pretty impressed. Like, nobody that I was around I ever saw take steroids. Everybody was just genetic freaks. Mm. And, you know, they just – it was amazing. I got so many questions to follow up from that amazing story. But first of all, what were you eating? What, what was the process like to put on all the food – or to put on all the weight? So – for me, I did have a big enough frame to handle the, the weight, so it was more like uh, chocolate milk every time after working out. It was peanut butter and jelly sandwiches at 6 in the morning. It was mac and cheese at 10 at night. It really had to do with just getting some quality calories in, uh, but you just had you just had to keep eating. And, and, and lifting, right? I mean, like, oh, it's, yeah. it's a muscle mass deal, so it's too – and you're burning calories, lots of them, obviously, when you're working out that hard, so then you got to eat everything you could find. Yeah, three to four hours a day we were working out, and so you had to find a way to, to kind of out-calorie that. Um, what, was, what was the highlight for you, aside from making the team, which is such a – I mean, that's an unbelievable accomplishment – to, to be able to say that. But in your time, you were with the with the Falcons for a couple of years and then with the Jets there uh, for a year or so. But what, what, what to you was the, when you look back at three, four years, you know, in the NFL, in the league, front and center, what, what stands out to you when you look back on that? You know, the highlight to me was the moments that I had when I could get people to believe in themselves or the – you know, like as a team, it's the guys, mm. you know, you don't, when you're inside of it, it's not so much. I mean, playing in green Bay and Lambeau field in the playoffs and beating them when we had Michael Vick uh, before he got in trouble, right, right. That, that was, that was, that, that was some cool experiences for sure. But you have this thing that um, you so push each other to a level that you've never experienced before, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And I, I think that's why I made the team to be honest, because I had that Rudy mentality that the that the team kind of needed. They needed some grit, mm. and and I think Coach saw that in me, and he wanted that. Even if I didn't play a lot, right. he wanted that. 
I have three different follow-ups from everything that you've said. So first of all, I want to start with, you mentioned researching who has some of the weaker punters in the league. One of the things I think is so fascinating, we take all this technology and all this internet stuff for granted, and it's just become just a part of our lives. But we had Shannon Schwein in here on the ESPN Roundtable a couple weeks back, and she was talking about, you know, in the late 1980s when she was getting recruited out of Billing Central, there's no internet. You know, you get a letter from Vanderbilt, you got to go to the library and go research, where's Vanderbilt? Where's that at? What's the school like? Even just 10 years after that, you know, late 90s, how are you finding out information? Well, what, what's your tactic to find out you know, who, who might have a spot for me? You know, I was definitely talking to my, to my agent who, who kind of knew, but I, I really did it on my own. I actually just looked at who had the worst average mm. and, and who was kind of towards the end of their career. So age combined with age, maybe the... Well, because what happens in the NFL is you start getting mandatorily paid more right. as you get older. And so a young guy would make a couple hundred grand where a veteran would be minimumed at 750000 to a million. Right. So if they can save some money on the salary cap, you only need to be as good as the next guy. You don't need to be better than him. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great point. Colter, what else you got? You, me- you mentioned your agent. I grew up across the street from Ken Stanger. So Kenny's a great uh, mentor of mine. He was one of my dad's best friends. And so I've known him my whole life. We actually inducted him into the Montana Football Hall of Fame last year, which was great. It was really fun. And he's had, he had such a fascinating career because he was such a maverick, such a trailblazer in certain elements. But uh, just, just tell us about that element of it because, you know, Kenny was such a champion for uh, small school guys, especially former Grizz, and helping them get shots at the big time. So what sort of influence did that play just on, on you and your opportunities in the NFL? Well, I think he was really no- well known because Montana guys before me had, when they went into camp, they worked hard. They didn't mess around, and they got it done. And I think that kind of – you pave a way for somebody else, and they've been paving a way for you. So Montana guys are known that they're a little less of a risk. Mm. They may not be your marquee player, but, look, you only have 10 marquee players on a team. There's another 43 guys that you need to be rough and tough and day in, day out, be bringing it. And no drama. Exactly. Right. And no drama. Yeah. And so, no I, drama. yeah. And so I think that's uh, what, what Ken Staninger got a reputation for. And so Montana guys got a shot when other guys may have even been a little more physically capable because they knew they were kind of a guarantee. Yep. So, and you mentioned the camaraderie element of football, which is one of my favorite parts about covering it and talking to the guys. And it was always one of my favorite parts as a player. And you know, I, I'm to the point now where, so many of my best friends from college played for the Grizz, and a couple of them played for the Caps as well. And um, when they first get out of college, it's such a hard transition. Even if you only play, you know, FCS college football, you've been doing it for so much of your life, and it's just so much of a, uh, it, it's so ingrained in you that camaraderie, and hanging out with your best buddies all the time. And it's a hard transition to get out of it. But now you've been out for, you know, close to twenty years. What's the transition like been like for you? Was it difficult at first? And what sort of outlets have you found, both for the competitive nature and just for the camaraderie aspect of things, to kind of fill that void? Yeah, and it's different because I I had played in the NFL too, which which brings a little bit little bit little bit of a different element. During the first few years, I actually traveled with, with a team called the Strength Team, and doing uh, school seminars and still using some of that strength and that motivational gifting and and those things. And then after you get a little older, it's like. It's not, you don't look quite as cool, Uh, but um, I think, you know, it's an interesting statistic because 
uh, one in one million high school football players make it to the NFL. But yet 80% or more within three years are either divorced, bankrupt, or without a job. So the kind of the swing to the top and the swing to the bottom is kind of the 80%. And, and within a few years, I was divorced. And that's part of what I wrote in my story. I, yeah. We were talking about that. But uh, uh, it, there, there is a big swing. I don't think you can really act like there isn't. You either have to live in the glory days or you kind of have to grow up. Right. And it is, you do, you need to grow up and you need to find something new and you need to, you know, kind of write a new story. And so when it, when, what, what was the story for you when you finished, uh, uh, you know, your time in the NFL, I know you went through, you know, that tough period in life, but also now, I mean, to look at you today, so you own the Source Gym here in Missoula, which has just been growing. In fact, a fifth anniversary uh, right. just uh, just this month. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And, and, you know, you're putting a lot of time and effort into that. I know that's not the only thing, though, but that has to be part of, you know, what it is, that, you know, how you try and express all the energy that's no longer being focused towards football when you're done with football, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the things that get me fired up are – and that's kind of what I, you know, when I talk about deciding what you want to do when you grow up, I, I right. wanted to encourage people. Right. And mm. and a health club was just a really good avenue to do that. Mm. So, yeah, I was pretty smart with, I, I kind of just saved the money that I had from the NFL. So I was able to start a, a gym, Yeah, you know, when when we got back. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, I love doing like the Falcons last year. They came and did an entire camp at Washington Grizzly Stadium for free for this entire community. Right. So things like that, encouraging kids, encouraging adults to be healthy, anything like that I enjoy. Dallas Neal joining us. He's the subject of our ESPN roundtable, former University of Montana football player and former NFL football player with the Atlanta Falcons and New York Jets. And Dallas, one thing we haven't talked about yet really is your time at the University of Montana as a football player, which was an, an extremely successful period of time for the Grizzlies. What do you remember about your, your first of all, how did you, you, you grew up in Great Falls or you, you played football there? What got you to the University of Montana in the first place? And what was it like for you to play for the Grizz in the late 90s? Right. So my dad went to Montana State. My uncle went to Montana State. My mom's a bobcat. All of them. Yeah. University of Montana was not on my recruiting list. I was, I, my number one was Notre Dame. Number two was Colorado State. I had kind of my list. Yeah. And those, each one as a punter started falling through. Mm. I was number two on the Notre Dame list and Colorado State said they were waiting a year. Mm. And then the Bobcats really didn't want a, a full scholarship punter. They kind of just, hey, you could come in, you could do some things. And then all of a sudden Montana calls me and says, we want you full time. We want you to punt next year. And it kind of just threw me for a loop. Wow, yeah. And I met Don Reed and met the team and the staff, and I said, I think this is the right fit. And then my first year was 1995. I was punting in the national championship game as a rookie. Yeah. And so, yeah, it couldn't have been much more of a sweetheart adventure. And and Don Reed was hilarious because the stuff he would do, he would, he would bring candy bars to practice all the time. <laughs> and he would get you to relax. Right. Because you're also, you're stressed out. Yeah. You don't want to screw up. Our biggest, you know, fear of failing is what all players deal with. Mm. They don't want to screw up in front of 30,000 people. They don't want to, they don't want to, you know, they just, they're always afraid. So you pitch them candy bars and get them laughing and get them joking and then they'll play for you. For a candy bar. 
course. Of course. <laughs> you know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. They got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not. Dallas, think us through then the progression of your career, because after 1995, you guys win the national championship. Don Reed rides off in the sunset. Uh, he, he retires. And then McDenahy takes over. So what was the coaching transition like for you and, and just the whole group of Grizzlies that kind of went through that at that time? Well, I think more than just the coaching transition, I think we had some major player transitions. We had Dave Dickinson, Matt Wells. You had a group of seniors that were so strong and so kind of historic in a lot of ways. Um, we had Crebo for one more year, and we had a few things that, that were going. But I think – um, coaching wise, McDenehy, I, I don't think there was really, we didn't play as well in those next couple years, but we were in the national championship in 96. Yeah. So I just think that, uh, we kind of, all the stars aligned, mm. you know, and the groove was there in 95 and it was just really hard to have that level of play continue, even just with the caliber of players. You mean you can't just replace Dave Dickinson? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm yeah, saying. I, think, I mean, I mean Brian pretty, Ayad did a really nice job. Unbelievable. And, and everybody did a really nice job, but the amount of things that need to come together. And we hadn't been on a good recruiting path before that. You know, we weren't a national championship team. And so you expect somebody the year after they win the national championship to continue that level of success. You need three or four years because now you can start recruiting better players. So it does take time. So we had some down years in 97 and 98, and then they came back and won it in 2001 when that recruiting time was paying off. Right. Dallas, talk to us about just the dichotomy of being a guy that contributed on offense from time to time, but also has the punter because 95-96, those two Grizz offenses, two of the most prolific in the history of the Big Sky Conference, not just at the University of Montana. Both Dave Dickinson and Brian Ayotte threw for more than 5,000 yards. There's a million good receivers scoring 40, 50 points all the time. So what was it like maybe sometimes catching passes, but also sometimes being the puncher, but also probably sometimes being the puncher and not being able to get on the field hardly at all? Yeah, I didn't I didn't do much at all in 1995. <laughs> right. I, I, yeah, it was – I mean, there was no reason for me to be there. I was on a full scholarship, but we – we didn't we didn't punt the ball very often. Did, you did you place kick as well though uh, later on at all? No, no. Okay. no. I, you know what? It's it's funny, but I tried to kick off. I tried to place kick. I tried all those things. I mean, from the time I was in third grade, I could punt a ball just amazingly far. It was a gift. It, it was not 
and I worked at it, of course. Sure. But no, I can't kick a 35-yard field goal. What was it What was it about football that drew you in? I mean, like you said, you're a young kid, and you realize you can do something that the other kids can't do, and so that's fine. But that doesn't mean you love it. That doesn't mean that you, you all of a sudden, just because I'm a great cake baker or whatever it is. So why, what was it about football that got you into it at a, at a young age and something that you wanted to pursue to the point of sending mannequins to people that you did not know? <laughs> Well, I think when I was young, baseball was my thing. Mm. But as I got older, the amount you had to practice and stand on the field and play, it was a longer season. There was more uh, standing around. And I'm like an ADD kid. Right. To try and get me to stand around is not. And so football was more physical for me. And so I needed that. Like, I couldn't just be a true punter. I wanted to run around. I wanted to you know, run into people. Right, right. It was a good outlet for me. It was a healthy outlet. Well, Dallas, you talked a lot about the coaching change, but just from a personality standpoint, what was it like playing for Mick Denny? I, I love Mick. He's a guy that's just hilarious, and I've always called him for some of my retrospective stories whenever I need an extra quote. But uh, what was the difference like between Don Reed and him, and what was it like playing for Mick? Well, Mick was an O coordinator, and so he was a technician. Don Reed never really – so it was like having your offensive and defensive coordinator. Now he was heavily more involved in the game. And so he's heavily more involved in the technical details. And so Don Reed really tried to let his coaches coach. Like he'd, I'm sure behind the scenes he was doing a lot of things. But what I noticed with McDenny, he, he was very much more active. Like he was, he would get in the trenches with you and he would work with you and he would push you. And so I just saw him, he was much more of a hands-on coach where Don Reed was more of like a, a, a rah-rah, even though he was probably coaching from the backside. But the persona of that was, yeah. You, uh, you had mentioned your whole family was Bobcats for the most part growing up. And that was sort of like mate, probably the path that you thought you might be on. What was their reaction when you said, I'm going to Missoula? So in five years, my uncle never came to (laughs) University of Uh, Montana Stadium. A little sore about that. Yeah. But it was okay. It was okay. It came to a national championship game. And my folks just love both of the teams. Right. They're just like, they're just happy to see their son play. So you got a couple couple of relatives on the extended side that are just aghast, and this is excommunication-worthy, borderline. And then your folks, like, the sun wins out, right? They're yep. like that's always going to be the more important thing. Yeah, they're stitched in half. There you go. That's good. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> Dallas, when you hear your story, there's so many parallels between your story and Brian Salonen's story. I know you guys were a lot of years apart, but he had so many cat ties. Uh, his dad was a Bobcat Hall of Famer, uh, but then he ends up coming to the Grizz and a tight end guy. But then when he gets to the NFL, he's playing all over the place. All of a sudden, he's playing defense, even though he didn't even play defense in college. I know you guys are a little ways away at age, but did you, did you ever lean on him, or did you guys ever have any conversations like that, or is that, is that just a complete coincidence? So Brian was from Great Falls, and I, I just really looked right. up to him. Him and Brad uh, Salone and I, you know, you were probably some of my childhood idols that I was that I was emulating or modeling when I was when I was growing up. So yeah, I, I, I'm friends with Brian, and I get to talk to him about it. Um, you know, during those times and seasons, I really wasn't able to connect with them. But now I now I'm able to. After the fact, you yeah. go, wow, how about that? What's the what's the deal with the Great Falls? Uh, uh, Dallas Neal, our guest here, and and Dallas, 
You said uh, you got a nickname when you were in the NFL. Is this right? A free meal, Dallas Neal. Is that is that ringing a bell? What's that yeah, about? It's not the most glorious nickname, but <laughs> but you, well, know, pretty, you know you got the alliteration. That's pretty yeah. Good. Sometimes when you're not the crusher, you know, or anything like that, you get other nicknames. So yeah, when when, when you're with an NFL team, the players in between practices and on the road, we go out to eat. Right. Well, you take ten guys out to eat. You're talking maybe a thousand dollar bill, right. or sometimes a two thousand dollar bill. Right. So the routine was everybody had to lay their credit cards on the table, and and the the waiter or the waitress would pick them up and start pulling credit cards out. The last credit card pulled out pays the whole meal. Okay. So you get to go home to your wife and say, "I just dropped two grand." Yeah. yeah on what? Yeah. Sushi. Well, and and playing for the league mini minimum as a rookie, obviously you got. Plenty, $2,000 meals, no problem, right? You know, yes. Yeah. It, for these guys, they would order $100 bottles of wine and things like that, but I, I never did. I would always, I would always like, I would never live in a house. I would always live in an apartment because I wanted to stay hungry. Well, but that's what I'm saying. I mean, some of the guys, like you said, the 10 marquee guys, it's no big yeah. deal, but the rest, I mean, like, yeah, you're making a good living, but you don't know for how long. And second of all, it's two grand. I mean, we can't exactly. be just dropping this for fun now, right? Oh yeah, I was yeah, I was I, I was freaking out. But in three years of being with the Falcons, I never paid for one meal. <laughs> That's how I got my nickname. I mean, I had the odds. So you just all you're- oh, they knew, and they would they would know, and they would harass me, and they try and you know get me to pay, and I'm like, hey man. No, never no <laughs> free meal. Yeah, I was a legend. <laughs> free meal, Dallas Neal. That, well, that now now we know. Okay, yeah. that's good. I'll I'll go. I'll eat with you, and then we'll make sure the card doesn't get pulled. It'll be <laughs> great. Well, I just want to ask you just broadly, Dallas. Um, playing for the Grizzlies, playing in the NFL, all of these things. It seems like it's taught you a great deal. But what do you take from it the most? What is this? What is this whole entire experience? How did that sort of set the stage for the second chapter of your life? Everything in my life has been about uh, persevering and and finding peace in the perseverance. Like, just because things aren't going well in the moment, one, don't quit. And two, learn how to have a little bit of fun. And, and like, I almost got to where you kind of craved um, pushing through and fighting through some things. Mm. And that is something that helps you later in life. Because later in life, you're not so much fighting with physical things you're fighting with you know emotional things you got you're dealing with kids you're dealing with uh, uh other people and other business partners and and it has more to do with your character after that and so you got to persevere and choose the right things character wise which is a lot different than just you know being a meathead dallas happy birthday hey thank you thanks so much for being here oh yeah glad to be here thanks for having me on you guys are great I love listening to you guys. I love laughing with you. You have done a great thing for this community, and we really appreciate it. Well, we appreciate that. Same. Reciprocated. Grizz punter and uh, NFL punter and tight end as well. What great stories he had. The ESPN Roundtable presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls at 3621 Brook Street in Missoula on the south end of town. 30 televisions all with ESPN3 capabilities. You can watch any game, any level that you want to there. And uh, great food menu. 18 rotating beer tap handles. An outstanding late happy hour. 9 to midnight. Half off appetizers. $3 uh, 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 draft beers. Fantastic. Enjoy yourself on the uh, south end of 
town. Paradise Falls is Missoula's coolest hot spot. We'll take a quick break, but before we do, I want to give you something. How about some Alpine Touch? I got an Alpine Touch hat, an Alpine Touch Grand Slam pack with their four big jars of uh, spices, including the pepper blend, the hickory smoke, and the prairie fire, as well as, of course, the original Alpine Touch. Going to give you this beautiful big case, this outstanding hat. Show to Montana. Shout out. What's going on? Alpine Touch. You go get their, uh, give us a call right now, 329-1899. First caller in, we're going to send this to you. You can also go online, alpinetouch.com and order this for yourself. Send it to your friends, your family, or just use it on all of your meats, on all of your tailgating, everything you need. Alpine Touch is Montana's Special Spice. Colt, there's something people may not know about us, but we work at a company. Imagine that. We don't just broadcast from our bedrooms. I mean, I've wanted to work from home, but the studio is here, and we also have to do sales things, and we also have a marketing department, and we also have a general manager and a program director. We are a very integrated unit here. We even have office telephones. The only voicemail you have that's not full. That is a fact, and it's not full because Blackfoot gives me enough space to have it all. And Blackfoot has all the things that we use for our business to make it run functionally. In fact, did you know that today's phone solutions are changing the way businesses operate? To communicate more effectively with colleagues and customers, companies are turning to hosted voice. You know what they call hosted voice solutions? VoIP. What is VoIP? Well, they're the hosted voice solutions that keep up with the business demands. And Blackfoot has their own hosted voice solution, or VoIP. It's called Ergo. Sounds elegant. Ergo certainly is elegant. It's also secure, scalable, and state-of-the-art with 24-7 local account management and support. If you're interested in learning how Ergo can support your business needs, visit goblackfoot.com slash voice to learn more. One more time, it's visit goblackfoot.com backslash voice. Blackfoot takes care of us, Coulter, and it can take care of you. The FCS Speculators Podcast also going to be out there. You can find it if you search ESPN Missoula, the twenty, the two telling the one is podcast. The FCS Speculators Podcast is going to be there as well, so you can go check that out. Uh, before we get into some baseball, I want to remind everybody we are giving away tomorrow tickets to Homecoming, Homecoming, boys and girls, the Grizzlies versus Idaho State. This uh, game on Saturday. Call right now. First two callers in to three two nine one eight nine nine. You're going to be registered to call to uh, uh, give us your best homecoming story tomorrow, which we will ask for tomorrow. If we pick you, we're just going to pick somebody at random to give us your best homecoming story. But you're going to be registered for tickets to the homecoming game between Montana and Idaho State. Three two nine one eight nine nine. Call right now. Give your information to uh, the guys in the back. Also, easy enough, you can be entered to win by following on Instagram. Instagram. 1029 ESPN on Instagram, our new Instagram page uh, there, 1029 ESPN. So very happy to uh, to have that there uh, for you as well. Last night, an unbelievable ball game. The Brewers blow a 3-1 lead in the eighth inning with their closer, their number one guy, Josh Hader, on the mound. And uh, Rendon opened it up, got on base with a walk and uh, an error on a basis loaded. What would have been a game-tying single becomes a basis-clearing three RBI sort of triple that it turned out to an out, but whatever. Uh, the uh, Washington Nationals win in a, in a fashion that sort of gets the monkey off the bat for a uh, franchise that's been pretty snake-bitten over the years in the Washington Nationals. It is just a crushing defeat when things were looking so good for the, uh, for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers last night. Tonight, 
reset it all again, this time with the American League, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Oakland Athletics. This game from the Coliseum in Oakland. How about that? A home playoff game for the A's. The Coliseum going to be rocking tonight. Charlie Morton going uh, for the Tampa Bay Rays, while Sean Manea is the starting pitcher, a lefty, uh, for the Oakland Athletics. The uh, money line on this, minus 125. Uh, in favor of uh, uh, of Tampa in this, or excuse me, in favor of Oakland in this one, they are uh, uh, just a slight favorite uh, to go ahead and win this baseball game this evening. So, looking forward to uh, that tonight. Always these these wild card games, I and mean, we've talked about how they're not representative of you know who necessarily the better team is, and that it's odd in that respect. And as a game that's played always in series, regular and postseason, that all of a sudden here to start it off, you have a one and done. That said. Uh, it's still the result of an added team to a postseason. So this is this is still a plus one, and I'm okay with it for two reasons. I'm okay with it first and foremost because I'm a fan, and it is great dramatic theater to watch these one and done wild card games. Last night in 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 uh, Washington, you would not have known if it was a game seven of a World Series or what it was, which was a one game wild card playing game. It was absolutely. Uh, great and it's a blast to watch as a fan. The other reason is is because this isn't replacing anything. Nobody's losing out on this. There's only an additional team that has a seat at the table, which I like. It's a very uh, MLB the hardest postseason to get into. It's a feat to get into the postseason uh, in baseball, and this is an opportunity for those teams to get just one more team in from each uh, from each league. And I think that's a good thing, but it doesn't last too long. You know, you get in there, you get one game, and you see what happens. Now it could hurt the team, obviously, that would have been in under the old system if they were to lose that game. They don't really get a fair shake at it, but uh, it's great drama and it brings fans to the game, which baseball does need. Uh, you right. Baseball needs it. So anyway, right now, ESPN Radio, we send you to the Bay, to Oakland, to the Coliseum for the Athletics and Rays for the AL Wild Card right now. See you tomorrow. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here, and if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org. Or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold. Or visit online anytime, anywhere, MSU Bookstore. .org. MSU Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus.